everyone, Sammy here. You're listening to Explaining Christianity, a one-season, six-episode podcast designed to help explain Christianity clearly. In each episode, we'll be listening to a short talk by Dave Jensen and then spending some time chatting about what we've heard afterwards. You're listening to episode two. Before we hear the talk, I'm going to read from Mark chapter 1, verses 14 to 18, which Dave speaks about. It's one of the eyewitness accounts of the life of Jesus recorded in the Bible. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. it's usually at that point, this point, when I grew up at church, I was leading to the guy at the front, just drone on and on and on, that I went, okay, okay, Jesus is God's king. Cool. I see Christians are frothing over that. That's amazing. Yeah, you're really excited about that. Sometimes I pretended to be excited. Yeah, he's the king. That's good. Yes, he's the king. But I've got to be honest with you. I never got, I never clicked. I, never, I saw Christians pumped and I was like, okay. Why? Well, I've got to be honest. I've got to confess to you. It's because I'm selfish. I I probably agree Jesus is God's king. I thought, well, that's probably likely. That that sounds good. I can see you think that. Wonderful. But what on earth does it have to do with me? How on earth does Jesus' kingship have anything to do with me in Australia, all the way on the other side of the world? What on earth does that have to do? 2,000 years later, what on earth does that have to do with my life right now? And by the way, how on earth does any of that explain my identity? Well, I want to say for myself back then and you right now, if that's you, the identity of Jesus as king is the most important identification you will ever make. But... The reason why we might find it difficult to understand, well, there's two reasons. Number one, when we think about the royal family, what do we think about? Drama, divorce, diabolical relationships with one another. Let me tell you about the royal family in Britain, which is our thought about kingship and royalty and all that kind of stuff. You may not know this, but King Charles, our king in Australia, is almost entirely powerless. He's a figurehead. Not just on our country, but also in Britain. If King Charles wanted to invade a, like a terrible, awful country, like New Zealand, okay. If, if he wanted to, to fly over to New Zealand, why would you want to? But if he wanted to do that, he couldn't. He can't raise any army. He's got no power to do that. The worst thing he can do is obviously send one of his relatives over there to, to live. He could send Harry and Meghan over there to live. That'd be awful for them. I can't believe people are so, ooh, are we really? Come on. Come on, come on. When we think about kings, royalty, we think about powerless figureheads, rich and decadent people who get, you know, fed yogurt by butlers and stuff. 
or yogurt, as they say, yogurt. That is not the type of king Jesus is. See, in the ancient world, kings were not like that. Kings had absolute authority and autonomy to do whatever they wanted, whenever they wanted, however they wanted. If you had a bad king, that was terrible. But if you had a good king, well, if you had a good king, they led and cared and shepherded their people. But it's more than that. See, Jesus isn't even an ordinary good king like his relatives, King David, King Solomon. No, no, no. Jesus is God's king. And whilst the Jewish people, they thought this would be an ordinary human being, but a very good one, God had other ideas. They didn't know what we know about the Messiah. They thought the Messiah was just going to be another man who would come, who would die, and then have his own children, and that would continue on and on. But no, no, no. Jesus is God's king means what? That he is God himself. In fact, the Bible tells us, Colossians chapter 1, check it out. That the world, the universe, you, I, we were created by, for, and through Jesus. Jesus is God's king. What does that mean? He has absolute authority over the entire universe. Your life, my life, the life of every single person you've ever met. Jesus is power. He is strength. He has authority. But the second reason why I found Jesus being king difficult to comprehend was I think I misunderstood the consequences of um, not quite grasping hold of people's identity probably. Properly, properly. Let me, let me try and explain this for you. You know, th- there's three types of people in life. Th- there's people who, if you get their identity wrong, it's not that big a deal, you know. However, there's another group of people who, if you get their identity wrong, it's a slight big deal. For example, did you ever call a teacher mum? Why is it so bad? I don't know why it's so bad. But it's the worst thing ever besides, besides having your mum as the teacher. Now that would, my mum was my scripture teacher for like one term. I wanted to convert to be Greek Orthodox after that. I was like, I'm out of here. I'm out of here. I feel for you if that was your situation. But of course, my dear friends, check this out. Check this out. There are other people in life who, if you get their identity wrong, there are absolutely devastating consequences for your life. Let me give you an example. Here's a photo. This guy's name is John. Now, John Croston is his name. He was on holidays in Thailand in 2004. There was a terrible tragedy in 2004 in Thailand. Who knows what it was? Tsunami, tsunami, terrible, terrible tragedy. Now, Croston is a Scottish science teacher. He was on holidays in the water, and he saw the early warning signs of a tsunami. The water came back like a fist. The humidity went up, and he realized immediately what was going to happen. So he ran off the beach and yelled at everyone, run, run, run. But no one listened. Why? Three reasons I can think of. I don't know this for sure, but this is my hypothesis. One, have you ever met anyone from Scotland before? (laughs) (laughs) You know, they think he's having a heart attack or something, probably. Two, he was in his swimmers, and let's be honest, the British are famous for wearing Speedos at the beach. Third, he's British, so he would have been sunburned. So you've got this guy, this Scotsman in his Speedos who is sunburned, running at you yelling, where are you running? Anywhere he's not. You're running towards the tsunami. Get me out of here. No one listened until a bus bus turned up and and a man came from the bus called Harpreet Singh. And Harpreet Singh was a doctor, a Thailand national. And he came from the bus in his uniform and crossed and ran up to him and explained the situation, and, and Singh got it. So together, they ran around, and together yelled, run, 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 and people listened, and they got up, and they jumped onto the bus as quickly as possible, and 
around 100 people's lives were saved. Now, here's the question. Why did they run the second time? Because they recognized the authority that Singh brought to the occasion. They recognized his authority, his position. They realized this is someone who knows what they're talking about. He knows what's what. So if he's telling us something, we better listen to what he's saying. He's not making it up. He's, he's a trustworthy person. I've got to turn and run. He's trustworthy. My friends, the identity of Jesus always escaped me in its relevance simply because I never quite understood how what Jesus said about himself affected me. You know, I want to make it absolutely clear. The identity of Jesus has enormous consequences on your life, however you respond to him. Why? Because of what he says about you. Have a look at verse 15 again. The first words after a 400-year silence and thousands of years of prophecy, this is what he says. The time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. So in other words, now is the time. The wait is over. God's king is here. And then he says, repent and believe the good news. Now hold on to that space there. Listen to this. Don't miss this bit. Repent. That word just means turn around. The tsunami is coming. Go the other way. But not in a physical sense, but a spiritual in your life to turn around, to realize you're going a dangerous direction. I'm going to go the other way. Now believe or believe is a simple word. Really, it just means trust. You trust that seat you're sitting in. You trust the roof that's not going to collapse. You're not a chair maker or an engineer, and yet you still trust it. It's trustworthy. So what does it mean if Jesus, in the very first words God says to people in, in thousands of years, what does it mean if Jesus, the Messiah, has finally arrived and he says, this is who I am, turn and trust? It means that all of us have been living life the wrong way. That there's a right way and a wrong way to live. And we've been going on the wrong track, the wrong path, the wrong direction. I know we find that very hard to hear because we like to think, well, I do what I want when I want whoever. I can just live however I want. But Jesus says, no, no, no. Life isn't what you make it. Reality isn't what you pretend it is. Reality is what it is. And the reality is that you've been living life the wrong way. Why? Because you, like I, like 2,000 years ago, the Jewish people, like all of us, We've been acting like we're the king. You get that? We've been acting like we're the, the little queen, the little emperor, the little king, the little, the little master of the world, our own little... We haven't acknowledged God as king or Jesus as king. At my church, we run this um, event where we have non-Christian people come and they hang out and ask questions about Jesus, but we start the night by asking them a question. And it's a question I'm going to put on the screen now. This is it. We ask them, what's wrong with the world? Now, this is a fascinating question because there's always two answers that you never, ever hear. Can you guess what they are? Don't guess out loud. Just in your head. Number one, no one ever, ever says nothing. No one ever says nothing's wrong with the world. The world is great. The world is perfect. What are you talking about? The world is broken. Your school is broken. Your family is broken. You are broken. Well, the world is a painful, suffering-filled place. We know that. But you know the other answer no one ever, ever says? No one ever, ever says, 
I am. What's wrong with the world? I am. We find it so easy to blame them, him, her. And yet Jesus is cutting right through our perception and perspective of reality like a knife, like a scalpel. Yes, we face external problems, make no mistake. He's speaking to a group of people oppressed by the Roman Empire. They knew external problems. Yes, we face hurt and pain and abuse from other people, and it is a terrible thing. But make no mistake, the greatest problem that you have in life, it's not external. It's internal. It's that you do not treat God as king. Now, at this point, you might be saying, well, this is a... This is a hard news story that Jesus has given us. And I want to say that's absolutely right. Make no bones about it. Whatever you think about Jesus, he doesn't mince his words. But I want to make it clear as we finish that there's something in the passage we've seen that's a twist to everything else we've seen so far. There's there's something we've already read that actually changes everything. Have a look at verse 15 again. Jesus says, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe what? The good news. Now, that's an expression he's already used twice. Verse 1, verse 14. But what is the good news? If Jesus is saying, you're living life the wrong way, that's bad news. So what is the good news? Well, look what he says. The time has come. That's my message. Now is the time. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe that. But what is that actually saying? Well, the kingdom of God has come near because Jesus is God's king. My friends, what is the good news of God that Jesus declares to the nations and to us? It's not a what. It's a who. Jesus is not just the messenger. He's the message. Jesus is the good news. Christianity is not a philosophy. It's not a set of rules and regulations and rituals for us to follow, a list of things to achieve. Christianity is a person. It's Jesus. And the consequences of that are life-changing. Because what does it mean if we've been living life the wrong way and yet Jesus has come to proclaim repentance. What it means is that his life is not about condemning us without hope, but rather stepping into the dirt, to the muck, to the pain, to the sin, and offering a way out. You see, he is the one we are to turn to. He is the one we are to trust in. Despite all we've done, Jesus came to earth to meet you. Here's what I want to challenge you with. No matter how you have previously felt about Jesus, right now, as we read the story of Jesus through his biography in the book of Mark, I want all of us to agree that Jesus needs to be taken seriously. Don't go through life thinking that it doesn't matter because the stakes are too high. If Jesus isn't who he says he is, what does it mean? It means nothing. Chuck it out. He's a liar. But if he is who he says he is, 
then what that means is that he has not come to tell us lies. He hasn't come to lead us astray. It means when he talks about our life, he's telling the truth. He's offering you rescue. He's offering you an invitation to know him. So who do you say Jesus is? Not your friends, not your family, you. You've said a couple of things that have pretty big consequences for our lives if they're true. You said if Jesus isn't who he says he is, then we can ignore what he says. My question to you is why? Why can't we get the truth from what he says, even if he's not God's king? And why is it that his identity is such an important thing that we need to understand? Well, the reason for that is because it's all about who he says he is. It's the fact that Jesus claims to be the Messiah. And more than that, chapter 1, verse 1, you know, it's the, the beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. So Jesus claims to be the chosen, promised King of God, and not only that, the eternal Son of God. And that just puts this huge, huge weight of importance on how he identifies himself. A couple of reasons for that. Firstly, if it's not true, it means he's not a good guy. You know you know what I mean? Like He's, he's, he's not someone we should listen to at all. He's... At best, unhinged, a crazy person. At worst, he's telling a deliberate lie about who he is to try and fool people. And so he's not someone we should listen to. Uh, And so there's a huge, huge uh, question mark about his identity because of that very thing, because he claims such an extraordinary thing about himself. The other part, the other reason why it's such a big deal is because he tells us, unless you identify him correctly, unless you see him for who he is, you will not be able to receive what he has done. Because he's come to earth for a purpose. And we're going to look at that over the next few episodes. But he puts it like this, John chapter 14, verse 6, one of the other biographies of Jesus. He says it like this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus makes it really clear, unless you identify him correctly, you will never be able to take hold of the rescue that he offers. You'll never be able to take hold uh, of, of what he is offering you, eternal life through him. You'll never get to God because he is the one saying, I'm the only way to God. You've got to see who I am. The other part I'll just say, and I'll end with this, is to say that his identity makes all the difference regarding how you listen to him. Uh, that if you know deep down that he is who he says he is, he is the son of God, then it means when he speaks, you know that he's not just inventing things. He's not just making it up. When he speaks about the meaning of life, he is the one by, for, and through whom all things were made. You know, He's not inventing something. He's not just another opinion. He's actually legitimately telling the truth. So it's a really, really important part of of Christianity. In fact, so important that if you if you don't do it, if you if you... If you miss it, uh, you will never, ever understand Christianity properly. Okay, I hear what you're saying about how important it is, but how do we know if Jesus is telling the truth? Is there evidence one way or the other? Yeah, well, this is the question, isn't it? You know, is he telling the truth? Anyone can say anything. It doesn't mean it's true. So when Jesus says these things, is he telling the truth? Well, I reckon there is a way to tell, um, the best way to tell, actually. Uh, and, And the very, very best way to tell is to read the words of Jesus for yourself. You see, it should stand to reason uh, that if Jesus is who he says he is, if he is the eternal son of God, the Messiah, the the king of God, if he is those things, what does it mean about when he speaks? Well, it should mean 
that when he speaks about your life and my life and our meaning and purpose about what's truly going on, what's wrong, what's right, all those things, then he should offer us a staggering clarity, you know, a, a, a sort of a stunning insight, profound uh, knowledge about us in a way that cuts to the core of all of us, regardless of where you come from. And uh, I, I want to challenge you that when you read the Bible for yourself, when you encounter the words of Jesus for yourself, that's exactly what you do find. Jesus knows you better than you know you. I promise you that. And, and the Bible, the words of Jesus in particular, they act like a mirror to the soul. And so that's the best way of telling. Do the words of Jesus have the ring of truth about them? I was listening to a podcast between two blokes who weren't Christians the other day. Uh, and one of them is a cynic, you know, really cynical about Christianity, a strong atheist. And he, he thinks the Bible has been corrupted, the history of the Bible. So in other words, he thinks that uh, when you read the words of Jesus and the biographies that... Uh, it's not true that you know it's being uh, it's being altered over time. Now let me just have a side point to say that is utter nonsense. Uh, uh, historically, uh, incomprehensibly bad history. You know that the Bible, what you have in your hands, is what was written. The evidence for that is overwhelmingly strong. Google to your heart's content. You know it's overwhelmingly strong. Um, now, but whatever the case, this guy said, you know, so you can't even trust the words of Jesus. You can't trust what was written uh, that you have in your hands, what was said, so on and so forth. But the guy who he was chatting to he's not a christian guy but he said well even if that's true um, even if you don't know for certain it was jesus who said those words um, someone did and these words have such profound impact on life on culture on communities on on humanity and he wanted to make the point that whoever it was who said those words, that's who he wants to encounter. That's who he wants to meet. Because whoever it was who said those words were so powerful. Now, the point he was making was a good one, I think, which is, in essence, that the words of Jesus stand the test that you will put them through, any test you will put them through. And so the best thing you can do is look at them for yourself. Even better, even better, though, is you can do so strong in the knowledge that the history around the Bible is rock solid. Rock solid. There's no secrets here. There's no hidden sort of evidence that is locked away in a vault in the Vatican or something and there's some sort of hidden Bible. No, 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 no. You've got a Bible. You can trust that it's what was said. So strip away the doubt on the history and just engage with the words. When Jesus speaks, does he offer you an insight to yourself deeper and more profound and more accurate uh, than what you thought possible. And if that's true, well, the only plausible explanation is that he is who he says he is. Thanks for listening to the Explaining Christianity podcast. If you'd like to get in touch, we'd love to hear from you. You can go to whatisachristian.net to do so. This podcast is proudly brought to you by Virtual Church Assist.